section thirty one of shirley by charlotte bronte this librivox recording is in the public domain uncle and niece the die was cast sir philip nunnally knew it shirley knew it mr simpson knew it that evening when all the field head family dined at nunnally priory decided the business two or three things conduced to bring the baronet to a point he had observed that miss keeldar looked pensive and delicate this new phase in her demeanour smote him on his weak or poetic side a spontaneous sonnet brewed in his brain and while it was still working there one of his sisters persuaded his lady-love to sit down to the piano and sing a ballad one of sir philip's own ballads it was the least elaborate the least affected out of all comparison the best of his numerous efforts it chanced that shirley the moment before had been gazing from a window down on the park she had seen that stormy moonlight which le professeur louis was perhaps at the same instant contemplating from her own oak parlour lattice she had seen the isolated trees of the domain broad strong spreading oaks and high towering heroic beeches wrestling with the gale her ear had caught the full roar of the forest lower down the swift rushing of clouds the moon to the eye hasting swifter still had crossed her vision she turned from sight and sound touched if not rapt wakened if not inspired she sang as requested there was much about love in the ballad faithful love that refused to abandon its object love that disaster could not shake love that in calamity waxed fonder in poverty clung closer the words were set to a fine old air in themselves they were simple and sweet perhaps when read they wanted force when well sung they wanted nothing surely sang them well she breathed into the feeling softness she poured around the passion force her voice was fine that evening its expression dramatic she impressed all and charmed one on leaving the instrument she went to the fire and sat down on a seat semi-stool semi-cushion the ladies were round her none of them spoke the mrs simpson and the mrs nunnally looked upon her as quiet poultry might look on an egret an ibis or any other strange fowl what made her sing so they never sang so was it proper to sing with such expression with such originality so unlike a schoolgirl decidedly not it was strange it was unusual what was strange must be wrong what was unusual must be improper surely was judged moreover old lady nunnally eyed her stonily from her great chair by the fireside her gaze said this woman is not of mine or my daughter's kind i object to her as my son's wife her son catching the look read its meaning he grew alarmed what he so wished to win there was danger he might lose he must make haste the room they were in had once been a picture gallery sir philip's father sir monkton had converted it into a saloon 
but still it had a shadowy long withdrawing look a deep recess with a window a recess that held one couch one table and a fairy cabinet formed a room within a room two persons standing there might interchange a dialogue and so it were neither long nor loud none be the wiser sir philip induced two of his sisters to perpetrate a duet he gave occupation to the misses simpson the elder ladies were conversing together he was pleased to remark that meantime shirley rose to look at the pictures he had a tale to tell about one ancestress whose dark beauty seemed as that of a flower of the south he joined her and began to tell it there were mementos of the same lady in the cabinet adorning the recess and while shirley was stooping to examine the missal and the rosary on the inlaid shelf and while the misses nunnally indulged in a prolonged screech guiltless of expression pure of originality perfectly conventional and absolutely unmeaning sir philip stooped too and whispered a few hurried sentences at first miss kildart was struck so still you might have fancied that whisper a charm which had changed her to a statue but she presently looked up and answered they parted miss kildart returned to the fire and resumed her seat the baronet gazed after her then went and stood behind his sisters mr simpson mr simpson only had marked the pantomime that gentleman drew his own conclusions had he been as acute as he was meddling as profound as he was prying he might have found that in sir philip's face whereby to correct his inference ever shallow hasty and positive he went home quite cock-a-hoop he was not a man that kept secrets well when he late on a subject he could not avoid talking about it the next morning having occasion to employ his son's tutor as his secretary he must needs announce to him in mouthing accents and with much flimsy pomp of manner that he had better hold himself prepared for a return to the south at an early day as the important business which had detained him mr simpson so long in yorkshire was now on the eve of fortunate completion his anxious and laborious efforts were likely at last to be crowned with the happiest success a truly eligible addition was about to be made to the family connections in sir philip nunnally lewis moore conjectured whereupon mr simpson treated himself simultaneously to a pinch of snuff and a chuckling laugh checked only by a sudden choke of dignity and an order to the tutor to proceed with business for a day or two mr simpson continued as bland as oil but also he seemed to sit on pins and his gait when he walked emulated that of a hen treading a hot girdle he was for ever looking out of the window and listening for chariot wheels bluebeard's wife sisera's mother were nothing to him he waited when the matter should be opened in form when himself should be consulted when lawyers should be summoned when settlement discussions and all the delicious worldly fuss should pompously begin at last there came a letter he himself handed it to miss kildar out of the bag he knew the handwriting he knew the crest on the seal he did not see it opened and read for shirley took it to her own room nor did he see it answered for she wrote her reply shut up and was very long about it the best part of a day he questioned her whether it was answered 
she responded yes again he waited waited in silence absolutely not daring to speak kept mute by something in shirley's face a very awful something inscrutable to him as the writing on the wall to belshazzar he was moved more than once to call daniel in the person of lewis moore and to ask an interpretation but his dignity forbade the familiarity daniel himself perhaps had his own private difficulties connected with that baffling bit of translation he looked like a student for whom grammars are blank and dictionaries dumb mr simpson had been out to while away an anxious hour in the society of his friends at de walden hall he returned a little sooner than was expected his family and miss gilda were assembled in the oak parlour addressing the latter he requested her to step with him into another room he wished to have with her a strictly private interview she rose asking no questions and professing no surprise very well sir she said in the tone of a determined person who is informed that the dentist has come to extract that large double tooth of his from which he has suffered such a purgatory this month past she left her sewing and her thimble in the window-seat and followed her uncle where he led shut into the drawing-room the pair took seats each in an armchair placed opposite a few yards between them i've been to de walden hall said mr simpson he paused miss keeldar's eyes were on the pretty white and green carpet that information required no response she gave none i've learned he went on slowly i've learned a circumstance which surprises me resting her cheek on her forefinger she waited to be told what circumstance it seems that nunnally priory is shut up that the family are gone back to their place in blankshire it seems that the baronet that the baronet that sir philip himself has accompanied his mother and sisters indeed said shirley may i ask if you share the amazement with which i receive this news no sir is it news to you yes sir i mean i mean pursued mr simpson now fidgeting in his chair quitting his hitherto brief and tolerably clear phraseology and returning to his customary wordy confused irritable style i mean to have a thorough explanation i will not be put off i i shall insist on being heard and on on having my own way my questions must be answered i will have clear satisfactory replies i am not to be trifled with silence it is a strange and an extraordinary thing a very singular a most odd thing i thought all was right knew no other and there the family are gone i suppose sir they had a right to go sir philip is gone with emphasis shirley raised her brows bon voyage said she this will not do this must be altered ma'am he drew his chair forward he pushed it back he looked perfectly incensed and perfectly helpless come come now uncle expostulated shirley do not begin to fret and fume or we shall make no sense of the business ask me what you want to know i am as willing to come to an exclamation as you i promise you truthful replies i want i demand to know miss hildar whether sir philip has made you an offer he has you avow it i avow it but now go on consider that point settled he made you an offer that night we dined at the priory it is enough to say that he made it 
go on he proposed in the recess in the room that used to be a picture gallery that sir monkton converted into a saloon no answer you were both examining a cabinet i saw it all my sagacity was not at fault it never is subsequently you received a letter from him on what subject of what nature were the contents no matter ma'am is that the way in which you speak to me shirley's foot tapped quick on the carpet there you sit silent and sullen you who promised truthful replies sir i have answered you thus far proceed i should like to see that letter you cannot see it i must and shall ma'am i am your guardian having ceased to be a ward i have no guardian ungrateful being reared by me as my own daughter once more uncle have the kindness to keep to the point let us both remain cool for my part i do not wish to get into a passion but you know once drive me beyond certain bounds i care little what i say i am not then soon checked listen you have asked me whether sir philip made me an offer that question is answered what do you wish to know next i desire to know whether you accepted or refused him and know it i will certainly you ought to know it i refused him refused him you you surely killed or refused sir philip nunnally i did the poor gentleman bounced from his chair and first rushed and then trotted through the room there it is there it is there it is sincerely speaking i am sorry uncle you are so disappointed concession contrition never do any good with some people instead of softening and conciliating they but embolden and harden them of that number was mr simpson i disappointed what is it to me have i an interest in it you would insinuate perhaps that i have motives most people have motives of some sort for their actions she accuses me to my face i that have been apparent to her she charges with bad motives bad motives i did not say and now you prevaricate you have no principles uncle you tire me i want to go away go you shall not i will be answered what are your intentions miss Kildar? in what respect in respect of matrimony to be quiet and to do just as i please just as you please these words are to the last degree indecorous mr simpson i advise you not to become insulting you know i will not bear that you read french your mind is poisoned with french novels you have imbibed french principles the ground you are treading now returns a mighty hollow sound under your feet beware it will end in infamy sooner or later i have foreseen it all along do you assert sir that something in which i am concerned will end in infamy that it will that it will you said just now you would act as you please you acknowledge no rules no limitations silly stuff and vulgar as silly regardless of decorum you are prepared to fly in the face of propriety you tire me uncle what madam what could be your reasons for refusing sir philip at last there is another sensible question i shall be glad to reply to it sir philip is too young for me i regard him as a boy all his relations his mother especially would be annoyed if he married me such a step would embroil him with them i am not his equal in the world's estimation is that all 
our dispositions are not compatible why a more amiable gentleman never breathed he is very amiable very excellent truly estimable but not my master not in one point i could not trust myself with his happiness i would not undertake the keeping of it for thousands i will accept no hand which cannot hold me in check i thought you liked to do as you please you are vastly inconsistent when i promise to obey it shall be under the conviction that i can keep that promise i could not obey a youth like sir philip besides he would never command me he would expect me always to rule to guide and i have no taste whatever for the office you no taste for swaggering and subduing and ordering and ruling not my husband only my uncle where is the difference there is a slight difference that is certain and i know full well any man who wishes to live in decent comfort with me as a husband must be able to control me i wish you had a real tyrant a tyrant would not hold me for a day not for an hour i would rebel break from him defy him are you not enough to bewilder one's brain with your self-contradiction it is evident i bewilder your brain you talk of sir philip being young he is two-and-twenty my husband must be thirty with the sense of forty you'd better pick out some old man some white-headed or bald-headed swain no thank you you could lead some doting fool you might pin him to your apron i might do that with a boy but it is not my vocation did i not say i prefer a master one in whose presence i shall feel obliged and disposed to be good one whose control my impatient temper must acknowledge a man whose approbation can reward whose displeasure punish me a man i shall feel it impossible not to love and very possible to fear what is there to hinder you from doing all this with sir philip he is a baronet a man of rank property connections far above yours if you talk of intellect he is a poet he writes verses which you i take it cannot do with all your cleverness neither his title wealth pedigree nor poetry avail to invest him with the power i describe these are featherweights they want ballast a measure of sound solid practical sense would have stood him in better stead with me you and henry rave about poetry you used to catch fire like tinder on the subject when you were a girl oh uncle there is nothing really valuable in this world there is nothing glorious in the world to come that is not poetry marry a poet then in god's name show him me and i will sir philip not at all you are almost as good a poet as he madam you are wandering from the point indeed uncle i have wanted to do so and i shall be glad to lead you away with me do not let us get out of temper with each other it is not worth while out of temper miss gildar i should be glad to know who is out of temper i am not yet if you mean to insinuate that i am i consider that you are guilty of impertinence you will be soon if you go on at that rate there it is with your pert tongue you would try the patience of a job i know i should no levity miss this is not a laughing matter it is an affair i am resolved to probe thoroughly convinced that there is mischief at the bottom you described just now with far too much freedom for your years and sex the sort of individual you would prefer as a husband pray did you paint from the life shirley opened her lips but instead of speaking she only glowed rose red 
i shall have an answer to that question affirmed mr simpson assuming vast courage and consequence on the strength of this symptom of confusion it was an historical picture uncle from several originals several originals bless my heart i've been in love several times this is cynical with heroes of many nations what next and philosophers she is mad don't ring the bell uncle you will alarm my aunt your poor dear aunt what a niece has she once i loved socrates pooh no trifling man i admired themistocles leonidas epaminondas miss keeldar to pass over a few centuries washington was a plain man but i liked him but to speak of the actual present ah the actual present to quit crude schoolgirl fancies and come to realities realities that is the test to which you shall be brought ma'am to avow before what altar i now kneel to reveal the present idol of my soul you will make haste about it if you please it is near luncheon-time and confess you shall confess i must my heart is full of the secret it must be spoken i only wish you were mr hellstone instead of mr simpson you would sympathize with me better madam it is a question of common sense and common prudence not of sympathy and sentiment and so on did you say it was mr hellstone not precisely but as near as may be they are rather alike i will know the name i will have particulars they positively are rather alike their very faces are not dissimilar a pair of human falcons and dry direct decided both but my hero is the mightier of the two his mind has the clearness of the deep sea the patience of its rocks the force of its billows rant and fustian i dare say he can be harsh as a saw edge and gruff as a hungry raven miss keeldar does the person reside in briarfield answer me that uncle i'm going to tell you his name is trembling on my tongue speak girl that was well said uncle speak girl it is quite tragic england has howled savagely against this man uncle and she will one day roar exultingly over him he has been unscared by the howl and he will be unelated by the shout i said she was mad she is this country will change and change again in her demeanour to him he will never change in his duty to her come cease to chafe uncle i'll tell you his name you shall tell me or listen arthur wellesley lord wellington mr simpson rose up furious he bounced out of the room but immediately bounced back again shut the door and resumed his seat ma'am you shall tell me this will your principles permit you to marry a man without money a man below you never a man below me in a high voice will you miss kildar marry a poor man what right have you mr simpson to ask me i insist upon knowing you don't go the way to know my family respectability shall not be compromised a good resolution keep it madam it is you who shall keep it impossible sir since i form no part of your family do you disown us i disdain your dictatorship whom will you marry miss Kildar? not mr sam wynne because i scorn him not sir philip nunnally because 
i only esteem him whom have you in your eye four rejected candidates such obstinacy could not be unless you were under improper influence what do you mean there are certain phrases potent to make my blood boil improper influence what old woman's cackle is that are you a young lady i am a thousand times better i am an honest woman and as such i will be treated do you know leaning mysteriously forward and speaking with ghastly solemnity do you know the whole neighbourhood teems with rumours respecting you and a bankrupt tenant of yours the foreigner more does it it does your name is in every mouth it honours the lips it crosses and i wish to the gods it may purify them is it that person who has power to influence you beyond any whose cause you have advocated is it he you will marry he is handsome and manly and commanding you declare it to my face the flemish knave the low traitor he is talented and venturous and resolute prince is on his brow and ruler in his bearing she glories in it she conceals nothing no shame no fear when we speak the name of moor shame should be forgotten and fear discarded the moors know only honour and courage i say she is mad you have taunted me till my blood is up you have worried me till i turn again that moor is the brother of my son's tutor would you let the usher call you sister bright and broad shone shirley's eye as she fixed it on her questioner now no no not for a province of possession not for a century of life you cannot separate the husband from his family what then mr lewis moore's sister you will be mr simpson i am sick at heart with all this weak trash i will bear no more your thoughts are not my thoughts your aims are not my aims your gods are not my gods we do not view things in the same light we do not measure them by the same standard we hardly speak in the same tongue let us part it is not she resumed much excited it is not that i hate you you are a good sort of man perhaps you mean well in your way but we cannot suit we are ever at variance you annoy me with small meddling with petty tyranny you exasperate my temper and make and keep me passionate as to your small maxims your narrow rules your little prejudices aversions dogmas bundle them off mr simpson go offer them a sacrifice to the deity you worship i'll none of them i wash my hands of the lot i walk by another creed light faith and hope than you another creed i believe she is an infidel an infidel to your religion an atheist to your god an atheist your god sir is the world in my eyes you too if not an infidel are an idolater i conceive that you ignorantly worship in all things you appear to me too superstitious sir your god your great bell your fish-tailed dagon rises before me as a demon you and such as you have raised him to a throne put on him a crown given him a sceptre behold how hideously he governs see him busied at the work he likes best making marriages 
he binds the young to the old the strong to the imbecile he stretches out the arm of mezentius and fetters the dead to the living in his realm there is hatred secret hatred there is disgust unspoken disgust there is treachery family treachery there is vice deep deadly domestic vice in his dominions children grow unloving between parents who have never loved infants are nursed on deception from their very birth they are reared in an atmosphere corrupt with lies your god rules at the bridle of kings look at your royal dynasties your deity is the deity of foreign aristocracies analyze the blue blood of spain your god is the hymen of france what is french domestic life all that surrounds him hastens to decay all declines and degenerates under his sceptre your god is a masked death this language is terrible my daughters and you must associate no longer miss kildar there is danger in such companionship had i known you a little earlier but extraordinary as i thought you i could not have believed now sir do you begin to be aware that it is useless to scheme for me that in doing so you but sow the wind to reap the whirlwind i sweep your cobweb projects from my path that i may pass on unsullied i am anchored on a resolve you cannot shake my heart my conscience shall dispose of my hand they only know this at last mr simpson was becoming a little bewildered never heard such language he muttered again and again never was so addressed in my life never was so used you are quite confused sir you had better withdraw or i will he rose hastily we must leave this place they must pack up at once do not hurry my aunt and cousins give them time no more intercourse she's not proper he made his way to the door he came back for his handkerchief he dropped his snuff-box leaving the contents scattered on the carpet he stumbled out tartar lay outside across the mat mr simpson almost fell over him in the climax of his exasperation he hurled an oath at the dog and a coarse epithet at his mistress poor mr simpson he is both feeble and vulgar said shirley to herself my head aches and i am tired she added and leaning her head upon a cushion she softly subsided from excitement to repose one entering the room a quarter of an hour afterwards found her asleep when shirley had been agitated she generally took this natural refreshment it would come at her call the intruder paused in her unconscious presence and said miss kildar perhaps his voice harmonized with some dream into which she was passing it did not startle it hardly roused her without opening her eyes she but turned her head a little so that her cheek and profile before hidden by her arm became visible she looked rosy happy half smiling but her eyelashes were wet she had wept in slumber or perhaps before dropping asleep a few natural tears had fallen after she had heard that epithet no man no woman is always strong always able to bear up against the unjust opinion the vilifying word calumny even from the mouth of a fool will sometimes cut into unguarded feelings surely looked like a child that had been naughty and punished but was now forgiven and at rest miss kildar again said the voice this time it woke her she looked up and saw at her side lewis moore not close at her side but standing with arrested step two or three yards from her 
oh mr moore she said i was afraid it was my uncle again he and i have quarrelled mr simpson should let you alone was the reply can he not see that you are as yet far from strong i assure you he did not find me weak i did not cry when he was here he is about to evacuate fieldhead so he says he is now giving orders to his family he has been in the schoolroom issuing commands in a manner which i suppose was a continuation of that with which he has harassed you are you and henry to go i believe as far as henry is concerned that was the tenor of his scarcely intelligible directions but he may change all to-morrow he is just in that mood when you cannot depend on his consistency for two consecutive hours i doubt whether he will leave you for weeks yet to myself he addressed some words which will require a little attention and comment by and by when i have time to bestow on them at the moment he came in i was busied with a note i had got from mr yorke so fully busied that i cut short the interview with him somewhat abruptly i left him raving here is the note i wish you to see it it refers to my brother robert and he looked at shirley i shall be glad to hear news of him is he coming home he is come he is in yorkshire mr yorke went yesterday to stilbroke to meet him mr moore something is wrong did my voice tremble he is now at briarmains and i am going to see him what has occurred if you turn so pale i shall be sorry i have spoken it might have been worse robert is not dead but much hurt oh sir it is you who are pale sit down near me read the note let me open it miss gildart read the note it briefly signified that last night robert moore had been shot at from behind the wall of mildean plantation at the foot of the brow that he was wounded severely but it was hoped not fatally of the assassin or assassins nothing was known they had escaped no doubt mr yorke observed it was done in revenge it was a pity ill-will had ever been raised but that could not be helped now he is my only brother said lewis as surely returned the note i cannot hear unmoved that ruffians have laid in wait for him and shot him down like some wild beast from behind a wall be comforted be hopeful he will get better i know he will surely solicitous to soothe held her hand over mr moore's as it lay on the arm of the chair she just touched it lightly scarce palpably well give me your hand he said it will be for the first time it is in a moment of calamity give it me awaiting neither consent nor refusal he took what he asked i am going to briarmains now he went on i want you to step over to the rectory and tell caroline hellstone what has happened will you do this she will hear it best from you immediately said shirley with docile promptitude ought i to say that there is no danger say so you will come back soon and let me know more i will either come or write trust me for watching over caroline i will communicate with your sister too but doubtless she is already with robert doubtless or will be soon good morning now you will bear up come what may we shall see that shirley's fingers were obliged to withdraw from the tutors lewis was obliged to relinquish that hand-folded clasp hidden in his own i thought i should have had to support her he said as he walked towards briarmains and it is she who has made me strong that look of pity that gentle touch no down was ever softer no elixir more potent it lay like a snowflake it thrilled like lightning a thousand times i have longed to possess that hand to have it in mine i have possessed it for five minutes i held it her fingers and mine can never be strangers more having met once they must meet again End of chapter thirty one